Greetings, this is podcast number 68 of Blast the Right. I'm Jack Clark from TheRationalRadical.com, www.TheRationalRadical.com. Well, as promised, since it became clear just after I recorded the last podcast that the Senate is now Democrat-controlled as well as the House, it's high time I proclaimed, I was wrong, hallelujah, I was wrong, The Democrats have taken back the House and Senate. Democracy may be saved. To match the good news domestically, I thought we'd have a good news podcast on the international economic justice front as well. Right-wingers have also suffered a stunning and, hopefully, stinging defeat there. Yes, there's good news for those of us who cheer when third-world nations make progress in their efforts to step out from under the boot heel of Western economic exploitation. Today we'll discuss a major victory in the battle to prevent the theft of third-world natural resources. Let's get right into it. Back a couple of months ago, Podcast 56 was entitled, quote, Class Warfare International Style, The Right Wing's Assault Against the World's Poor. Close quote. In that show, I described four ways the most impoverished nations in the world are ripped off by us rich Western industrialized nations. Because of recent positive developments with two of these methods, it might not be so easy for multinational corporations and Western governments to accomplish their goal of transferring wealth from the already impoverished third world to the too rich Western industrialized world. In today's podcast, We'll discuss one of these two areas, sweetheart contracts between corrupt third world governments and foreign multinationals that allow third world natural resource wealth to be plundered. In a future podcast, perhaps next week, I'm not sure, we'll discuss the other area, the making of dubious loans to corrupt third world governments that winds up entrapping those nations in a downward spiraling debt treadmill. My sources for this podcast on the battle against natural resource theft are the New York Times, the Associated Press, and the CIA Factbook. What a sweet headline I had the pleasure of reading recently. Energy firms bow to demands set by Bolivia. To understand why this is so, so sweet, a little bit of background. Six months ago, way back in podcast 42, We discussed how Evo Morales, the newly elected president of Bolivia, had nationalized Bolivia's oil and gas industry. He gave foreign companies 180 days to turn over a majority stake in their Bolivian operations or leave the country. For decades, most of the profits from Bolivia's natural resources had gone into the pockets of foreign multinationals while the majority of Bolivia's people lived in dire poverty. Morales said, No more. He said of his nationalization decree, and I combine various of his statements, quote, An historic day has arrived. Now the gas and oil that flows from our land will no longer belong to foreigners. Our hydrocarbon riches return to the hands of the nation for the benefit of the country. The looting by foreign companies has ended. Close quote. Well, you would have thought 
that he had committed the worst sin in the world. Right-wing international economists and consultants went crazy. Even the New York Times could find in its major news story on the issue no one to say anything good about what Morales had done. Let's consider what some of these shills for economic exploitation of the third world had to say back then. I think I have a pretty good BS detector, a sort of radar or alarm bell or meter that warns me when what I'm hearing is total BS. It's important for all of us to be able to recognize corporate disinformation and spin because you'll inevitably run across it again and again as right-wingers rant and rave about Morales and other third-world progressive leaders such as Hugo Chavez of Venezuela. In fact, much of the propaganda the right disseminates about Bolivia is employed by them as well, with appropriate modification, on domestic issues here in the United States. So I'll give you some examples of what these right-wing spinners assert and then give my take on what the person is really saying. Listen carefully, because these speakers spew out so much of the standard fare of right-wing propaganda. Here's the first one. Quote, we're experiencing the supremacy of emotional politics at this time, close quote. That was an economist at Catholic University in Bolivia. Ah, I see. Bolivians are not smart enough to act in their own best interest. So when they do something we disagree with, really we disagree because it will make us less rich, Bolivians are doing so only because they're emotional. Next, quote, this is outside the norms and logic of business that should be the guides for relations between companies and governments, close quote. So said the president of a major natural gas multinational. That presumptuous phrase, outside the norms and logic of business, really means outside the norms and logic of one-sided exploitation that's become the norm over the centuries in relations between the West and the Third World. Here's another, quote, When you cause problems for foreign investors, you cause problems for those who know how to create and develop the industry, close quote. That was a Washington, D.C.-based energy consultant. Well, who would want to cause problems for those who know how to create and develop the industry? I would, when the way they create and develop the industry is designed to rip off impoverished third world nations. Next, quote, from a political point of view, it's a powerful issue to manipulate, but from an industrial point of view, it can do real harm, close quote. That was a Rio de Janeiro-based energy consultant. He means real harm to the obscenely large profit margins of the multinational energy companies. Now we get into the juiciest ones. Quote, They've been conned by Castro and Chavez. They've been sold a bill of goods that's going to come back and bite them and bite them hard. Close quote. Thus predicted the president of an energy industry supported policy group in New York. Right wingers always trot out this old outside agitators claim. The naive, stupid locals have been conned. They're too stupid to think up anything like this on their own. This outside agitators line was used repeatedly in the U.S. civil rights era by segregationists infuriated that their African-American neighbors were now daring to assert their rights. 
Martin Luther King Jr. was an outside agitator. Maybe it's not even a question of merely being conned. Quote, Chavez is forcing Bolivia into a radical shift. That is the major headache for the U.S. Close quote. Such was the erudite assertion of another Washington, D.C. energy consultant. Venezuelan President Hugo Chavez is forcing Bolivia to do his evil bidding. And of course, since the entire universe revolves around the United States, it's a U.S. headache. Next to last, there's the panicked warning that right-wingers always give whenever anyone challenges their control. Quote, I don't think the game is over. It's going to move from the Americas to the Africans. This is a very dangerous precedent. Close quote. That was the head of the industry-supported policy group again. A dangerous precedent from America to the Africans. Can you imagine? Other exploited peoples and nations could get ideas. They could start asking for fairness and justice as well. We can't have that. Finally, I love this last one for a reason you'll see in a second. Quote, if Brazil decides to give the cold shoulder to Bolivia, Bolivia will be left with its gas underground. Close quote. Such was the prognostication of a Bolivian energy consultant. The sky is falling! The sky is falling! Yes, but not for Bolivia, for exploitation of the third world. As usual, right-wing economic blather had the substantiality of cotton candy. Now you'll be able to really appreciate the sweetness of that headline, Energy Firms Bow to Demands Set by Bolivia. Here's the beginning of the Reuters story. Quote, President Evo Morales clinched a major political victory after foreign energy companies agreed in last-minute talks to remain in the country and operate under state control. The deals affirm Mr. Morales' efforts to give the state a larger role in the economy of Bolivia, which is South America's poorest country. The companies, including the Brazilian state-owned energy company Petrobras, so much for that guy's prediction, agreed to new contracts, ceding a larger share of their profits to the Bolivian state. Close quote. The Bolivian government will collect between 50 and 82 percent of the revenue of these companies, just as it should be. The lion's share of revenue should go to the owner, not the service provider. And that's just what these companies will be now, quote, service providers to Bolivia's state-owned energy company, YPFB, close quote. There was a bit of poetic justice in the location of the signing ceremony. Quote, the signing ceremony took place in the same hall where former President Gonzalo Sanchez de Lozada privatized Bolivia's gas industry in 1996, close quote. Ah, privatization the great right-wing panacea for all ills, but which most often only makes the ills worse and the right-wingers hugely more wealthy. Boy, must they be seething angry. Well, let's take a break. When we return, we'll talk about the life and death nature for so many of this nationalization process. So you wear the vestments of ill-gotten legacy. 
Bankrolled by CEOs and died by Christian destiny. You give us empty words and flags to rally around, but the rest of it don't seem to trickle down. To streets of hopeless faces, mortgaged and foreclosed, downsized part time jobs, forsaken by the HMOs, sucking up the welfare when there's more to Now, some of you may be wondering, is this really such a big deal for Bolivia? Yes, it is. Apparently even more so than when we discussed this six months ago. Back then, the estimate was that government revenue would be increased under the new contracts by $320 million. But at the signing ceremony for these new contracts, Evo Morales, quote, said the agreements would quadruple Bolivia's energy revenues over the next four years, from a current $1 billion, close quote. $1 billion to $4 billion is an increase of $3 billion. At first glance, this may not sound like a huge sum, used as we are in the U.S. to speaking of tens and hundreds of billions of dollars. But you have to remember, Bolivia's population is only about 9 million people. The U.S. has 33 times the population, 300 million people. So it's really like increasing U.S. government revenues by $99 billion. Nothing to sneeze at. And even more telling, the U.S. economy is 500 times larger than the Bolivian economy, $12.3 trillion as opposed to $25 billion. So in economic impact, the new Bolivian contracts would be the equivalent of adding $1.5 trillion to the U.S. government coffers. 1.5 trillion dollars. So now you can see why this nationalization is so crucial to the well-being of the Bolivian people and it's so much something to celebrate. It will mean a massive reduction in the human misery, pain, suffering and death that the former right-wing policies of Bolivian governments had inflicted on their people. The clear intention is to use the money to help the majority of the Bolivian population. Morales said, quote, what we are doing here is exercising our property rights as Bolivians over our natural resources without evicting anyone, without confiscating. With these new contracts, we want to generate more economic resources to solve the economic and social problems of our country. That's our great wish. Close quote. Remember, third world poverty is not, I have to drive an old car poverty. It's, I can't afford to buy food to feed my children and they're dying of malnutrition, poverty. It's, I can't afford to buy medicine for my children and they're dying of curable diseases, poverty. Bolivia is the poorest nation in South America. Over 60% of its people live in such poverty. In Bolivia, poverty is death to many. Reducing poverty is life instead to them. To give but one example, Bolivia's infant mortality rate is terrible. It's 51. 
What's an infant mortality rate? As the CIA Factbook defines it, it's the quote, number of deaths of infants under one year old in a given year per 1,000 live births in the same year. This rate is often used as an indicator of the level of health in a country, close quote. Bolivia is 51. The U.S. is 6. Out of every 1,000 babies, 6 die in the U.S. before they reach one year old, but 51 in Bolivia. Bolivia's poverty kills 45 babies a year out of 1,000 because people do not have access to adequate health care there. Zimbabwe, Indonesia, Guatemala, Nicaragua, Honduras, Vietnam, North Korea even, have better infant mortality rates than Bolivia. That's how bad it is there. These 45 infants need the revenue from Bolivia's natural gas wealth, not we or the multinationals who pillage the earth in our name. Right-wingers will not be happy to learn that natural gas is not the end of the story for Bolivia. Morales has bigger goals in mind. Quote, Bolivia will not be as it was before, a beggar state with many social problems. We will continue in this path of recovering our natural resources, not only the hydrocarbons, but also the minerals and the non-metallics and all non-renewable natural resources that belong to the Bolivian people. Close quote. In case any right-wingers try to lie and say that Morales is acting without the consent of the Bolivian people, it would only illustrate my oft-cited maxim that whatever a right-winger says, the opposite is true. Quote, Demands to renationalize Bolivia's natural gas reserves were at the heart of violent 2003 protests that chased Sanchez de Lozada into U.S. exile and catalyzed the indigenous political movement that eventually propelled Morales to power. Close quote. Wow, a politician that does what he says he'll do and after only nine months in office. Where is our Evo Morales? to stop all the bushy and sweetheart deals in our natural resource industry. Remember all those naysayers quoted by the New York Times? Suddenly, after this successful nationalization effort, the newspaper is able to find different analysts who don't just parrot right-wing talking points. Roger Cortez, a political analyst in Bolivia, quote, this gives a very solid foundation to the Morales administration from an economic and political view. It means the administration has been strengthened after facing gloomy forecasts that this step was going to be impossible. Close quote. To close, let's consider. Will this assertion of third world economic rights be limited to Bolivia? Hardly. Venezuela actually led the way and Ecuador has already taken similar steps. Precisely the dangerous precedence that right-wing analyst was terrified of. It's going to move from the Americas to the Africans. This is a very dangerous precedent. And well it should be. Lead by example, I say, to Asia, Africa, and the Americas. As a New York Times reporter put it when Morales first announced the gas industry renationalization, quote, the decree is the latest step by Latin American governments from Venezuela to Ecuador to assert greater control over the energy sector, moves that have sent shivers through foreign producers, close quote. As I sympathized several months ago, my oh my, the poor darlings have gotten shivers from the 
bad, bad Bolivian ingrates and other uppity third world nations. The meek, vulnerable little multinationals will be scared and suffer from shivers. That couldn't make me happier. Economic justice is the heart and soul of a progressive viewpoint. When Morales said, an historic day has arrived. Now the gas and oil that flows from our land will no longer belong to foreigners. Our hydrocarbon riches return to the hands of the nation for the benefit of the country. The looting by foreign companies has ended. When he said that, it recalls to mind another great leader of another country, assassinated in his prime, when he dared to venture in his prophetic advocacy beyond segregation into the field of international economic justice. This great man speaks to us today no less urgently and relevantly than he did in 1967. Increasingly by choice or by accident, this is the role our nation has taken, the role of those who make peaceful revolution impossible by refusing to give up the privileges and the pleasures that come from the immense profits of overseas investments. I am convinced that if we are to get on the right side of the world revolution, we as a nation must undergo a radical revolution of values. A true revolution of values will soon look uneasily on the glaring contrast of poverty and wealth with righteous indignation. It will look across the seas and see individual capitalists of the West investing huge sums of money in Asia, Africa, and South America only to take the profits out with no concern for the social betterment of the countries and say this is not just. It will look at our alliance with the landed gentry of South America and say this is not just. These are revolutionary times all over the globe Men are revolting against old systems of exploitation and oppression. And out of the wounds of a frail world, new systems of justice and equality are being born. The shirtless and barefoot people of the land are rising up as never before. The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. We in the West must support these revolutions. Yes, Dr. King, I pledge that I will support these revolutions, as all progressives must. We will fight the right wing with all our heart and soul on this and every other issue where the lives of the innocent are at stake. Well, that'll about wrap it up for today. If you like what you heard, please tell a friend about Blast the Right and vote for Blast the Right at podcastalley.com. There's a one-click link to do each of those on my podcast homepage. You get to the podcast homepage by typing in Blast the Right in Google, and I'm the first result. The voting report is, I'm holding steady at number 9 on the Podcast Alley Top 10. There are, however, podcasts charging up from below, and unless I get a whole bunch of new votes soon, I'm not going to be on that Top 10 much longer. So if you haven't voted yet this month, please go and do so. It just takes a few seconds. A special shout-out to all the Live 365 and Red Dragon 365 listeners. Great to have you on board. Any of you interested in hearing more of that Martin Luther King speech I ended the segment with, just go to podcast number 32. 
Anyone who sent messages to my MySpace page, there's something wrong with my MySpace page and I can't message out. So if you want a response, you're just going to have to for now write me an email. I'm happy to announce that the Blast the Right compilation CDs are now available, containing the first 60 podcasts. Volume 1 has over 13 hours and Volume 2 over 15 hours. The price, only $4.99 each plus shipping and handling. I'm selling these at cost to help spread the word. I should give a special thanks to Lauren, a listener from Colorado, who created the software program used on the CD. To find out more information and how to order, just go to the podcast homepage. You'll see it says more information and how to order next to the two little pictures of the CDs. Click on that, and then the page will tell you all you need to know. I'm also planning to make the CDs available as two zip files for free download. You download the zip file, open it up, burn it onto a CD, and you could have it for free, each volume. That's not on a visible link yet because I want to make sure it works. So, anyone listening who wants to help me out and have the CDs for free, I'll tell you where the secret link is. On the page of my site describing the CDs, go below the words orderfromcafepress.com. Between from and Cafe Press, below them, there's two invisible links. One to a zip file for volume one and one for a zip file to volume two. Whoever successfully downloads and burns CDs this way, if you could write me an email and let me know, then I'll know it works and I can make the link public. And now a word from another progressive podcaster. My podcast, Forums for a Future, is based on the premise that we are at an inflection point in history. Inflection points are times of fundamental change, times when radical new ways of thinking are required. In the past, such transitions have taken generations to unfold, as when the age of science ushered in the Industrial Revolution defining the modern era, which is now over. This time, the new era will unfold not over centuries, but over the lifetime of us the living. What an exciting time to be alive! Forums for a Future is structured as a university course to provide a foundation for the civic discussions we must have to create a sustainable future for the new era we are entering. To join me in this journey, go to my website at www.kerenner.com. That is www.kerenner.com. Music credits. The break music was Kill the Poor by Matthew Grimm and the Red Smear. We'll end with a little bit of We Can't Make It Here by James McMurtry. Links to all the music I play on Blast the Right can be found on my music resources page. Links to all the statistics and quotations I use can be found on the data resources page. Both of them are linked to off the main podcast homepage. Please keep sending in all that great email. My address is rational at adelphia.net. I'm almost caught up. I'm up to the beginning of November, so pretty soon everyone who wrote in will have gotten a response. If you want, you can call in and leave a comment for me to play on Blast the Right. Just dial 310-933-5891 and leave your message. I can also be reached on Skype. My name there is Jack from Blast the Right. So, until next time, I'll sign off and say I love you all, including all you right-wing misguided souls. There's a 
with a cardboard sign Sitting there by the left turn line A flag on his wheelchair flapping in the breeze One leg missing and both hands free No one's paying much mind to him The VA budget's just stretched so thin And there's more coming back from the Mideast War We can't make it here anymore That big old building was a textile mill It fed our kids and it paid our bills But they turned us out and they closed the doors We can't make it here anymore 